OCD, it's like they're gurgling, and I'm wanting to answer it. I'm like, yes. Well, just. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Jude this morning. If you'd stand with me for the reading of God's Word. This is the 10th in our installment on the signs of the times and the end of the age. I thought I was ending this Sunday. Uh, maybe not. <laughs> but uh, this morning, part 10, we're going to be speaking on the subject of earnestly contending for the faith. In the, in the New Testament, uh, Jude is towards the end. Are you there? Jude chapter 1. Well, there's one chapter. 1 through 7. Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and the brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called, mercy to you, peace to you, and love be multiplied to you. Beloved, I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, but it was needful also for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation, ungodly men, who turned the grace of our God into lasciviousness, denying the only God and our Lord Jesus Christ. And I want to put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the Lord, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not, or you can say, that did not continue with him. And the angels, which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he's reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. And even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication and going after strange flesh, they are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. Now look at verse 3 one more time for me. He said, I was giving diligence. I wanted to write unto you again about the common salvation. And I want to exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith. Before you're seated, give me just a moment to speak to you. Your pastor has shared repeatedly with you that not only do I believe we're in the last hour, I believe we're in the last minutes before the return of Jesus Christ. Some would say, well, they've been saying that forever. And they were right. In the grand scheme of things, in an eternity past, we're in the last days. And now, the last moments before the Lord comes. And one of the last day signs, prophetic end time signs, is the beginning of the falling away. And with that falling away, there's a cowardice that is seeping into the professed body of Christ. Not ashamed of necessarily him, some are, but ashamed of his words. Of his words. And he said, if you are ashamed of me and my words, or my, and or my words, I'll be ashamed of you when I come. What God says about sin, what God says about fornication, what God says about homosexuality, what God says about pride, what God says about covetousness. And the Bible tells us, Paul says, I want you to, or Jude says, I want you to earnestly contend, which means aggressively contend, fight for, hold the banner of the truth of God's word. We are, many today are more afraid of the opinions of other people than they are the opinions of God about them. So this morning, by God's grace, I want to share with you on the subject, contending for the faith. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord this morning. 
What is the faith? The faith refers to the body of doctrine that was given by God through the apostles to the church. And it is our firm, reliant, exclusive trust and absolute trust in them as truth. The word doctrine is found at least 16 times in the pastoral epistles alone. In this generation, now among Christian conventions and gatherings, you'll find the preface before they tell you what the conference is about. This is not one about doctrine. We're not one about doctrine, just all coming together. This is not one about doctrine. But the doctrine is what binds us together. The reality of these truths, Paul admonished both Timothy and Titus to make sure the believers were taught sound doctrine, which means healthy doctrine. Doctrine that promotes the spiritual well-being and growth of the believer. Who Christ is. What he has done. The common salvation. What he forbids and what he requires. One of the reasons that we are not contenders for the faith is that we have not took time enough to search out what the faith is. We spend more time brushing our hair than we do reading the word of God. And I don't say that to insult, I say that to provoke. It's very hard to earnestly contend for something that's vague to you. Study to show yourself worthy, a workman who needeth not to be ashamed. That's not just preachers, that's believers. Jesus said, sanctify them through thy truth, John 17, 17. Thy word is truth. David said, your word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. We, we rarely stand and contend for these things because we're not so sure about them ourselves. And we are one generation away from the truth being lost. It is our job, it is our calling, it is our responsibility, it is our privilege to not only perpetuate, to express and to stand for these truths, but to sow them into the people behind us. Our expression of the faith. Number two, the purity in place God's holy doctrines have in your heart have a direct bearing on the power, confidence, fruitfulness, and fullness in your life. We can't express a faith we do not have. One of the reasons we're timid is because uh, there's not anything concrete in there. Our knowledge of who the Lord is, our knowledge about his promises, our knowledge is about uh, knowledge about the things he forbids. But the direct you'll you'll see direct correlation in the life of the believer, their convictions and their confidence in scripture is in direct correlation to the power that they express in their life, their boldness. Your faith is to be a divine faith. It did not originate with men. It is not accomplished through psychiatry or psychology. It is not the opinions of a pastor or a theologian. Your faith originates with God, the word of God, the more sure word of prophecy. The word you hold in your lap that is forever settled in heaven. Forever settled. It cannot change. It will not change. Faith is to be divine. And you know it's divine by where it originates from. Our faith was born of the spirit, given by God the Father based on the scriptures. Jesus told them, he said, you do err because you don't know the scriptures and you don't know the power of God. It takes time to learn the word. It takes time to uh, digest it. 
and, and flesh it out in your life. And it's costly. To be a student of the Word of God and to live out that which you study is costly. It will cost you relationships. It will cost you opportunities at work. It, it will be a, in this world, it's like putting a, a, a bullseye on you. And all hell comes against the person that wants to honor God by honoring his word. Notice the tactic. If the devil can dilute the word. You know what dilute is? This is not in my notes, but I'm going to help you. I'm going to help you with dilute. My mom was on the front row. She, every time I call her name, she tells me at lunch, those people are going to think I'm crazy. You're always telling these stories about me. This, this, one's, this one's true now. Y'all don't have this no more. There's a couple things that aren't sold in the stores anymore because the ingredients will kill you. Like tab. Y'all remember tab? So Nastiest beverage. It was hobo bath water put in. But mom would serve tang. Y'all remember tang? All right, you stir it up and it's orange, got a kick to it. And then we'd come back from school. We drank half of it that day. We'd come back from school the next day and it's full again. It's not quite as orange. And you're thinking, didn't we drink that? So you drink about half more. You come back and it's full again. And it's a off yellow. <laughs> After about the fourth time, I said, Mama, that ain't tang. That's barely t It ain't even got anything to it. It's... It's gone. Now, see, you'll remember that the dilution of God's Word is when we pour enough of the philosophies of this world in it and we wash away the cardinal truths, it does not have the power in our life because it is no longer the Word of God. It's some mixture that makes of no effect God's Word. It's like putting water in your gas tank. It makes it of no effect. The gas is ruled out. And we're supposed to operate with a divine faith, an exclusive faith, not Christianity plus anything else, not Chrislam, not, not Buddhist, not uh, Reverend Moon, not Jehovah's Witnesses. We it's an exclusive faith. There's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Christ and the words of God, unchangeable. Your faith is to be a personal faith, saving, life-giving, revelational, sanctifying. It's just not enough for it to be mama's and daddy's faith. That's what you were seeing on Jeremiah's face and the other men and women that baptized their children. It's not enough that I have it. You got to have it. You got to know God for yourself. I want you to know the word of God and what it means by me teaching and you watching it play out in my life. When you watch us make the decisions that will cost us to be true to, your wor to God's word, it's to be a holy faith. The Bible said there's men that will come in, and I'll talk about this in a moment, unawares, and they'll turn the grace of God into lasciviousness. Social media is a neutral thing that is being used in very subtle ways by the enemy to dilute the message of God and the, the influence of the people of God. You've got people that their friends on Facebook know they're Christians, and then they see them living the same life that they're living on Facebook or Instagram. They're just as drunk as they are. They're sleeping around like the other people are. They're, they're, they're crass and they're crude. Oh, my Lord. Then they'll post something about some show they're watching, you know, 
and it dilutes, it dilutes the influence of those that have been called out of darkness into his marvelous light. What fellowship have we with you? Come out from among them. Be ye separate, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean things. But we would rather get along. We want to, for some reason, there's this pull for Christians to be people of the crowd. And we are not people of the crowd. We are people of the Christ. And we go unto him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. Our faith, we're not perfect, but we can be holy, which means set apart from that. No, I don't watch that. No, I don't sing that. No, I don't do that. And then they're looking at all these other people who sit on the row with you or behind you, and they do it. And so there's great heaviness. There is a cost to living out your faith. And if you're not careful, you'll compromise by the sheer volume and relentless current of carnal people around you, and I can prove it. The Scripture says, because in the last days, because iniquity will abound, the love of many will grow cold. What do you do when the person that led you to the Lord backslides? What do you do when you're out with friends and you're getting up to leave the movie and they're not getting up? Practical things. My doctrine is not just what I believe. My doctrine is the impetus that helps me make the choices that give God glory and honor. Your faith is to be pure. It's to be transformational. It's to be dutiful. It's to be simple. It's to be exemplary. It's to be reliant, enduring, prayerful, and powerful. Your faith is to be treasured, kept, displayed, and deposited in the lives of other believers. The battle for truth, listen to this, is raging so violently now that in the last days, truth will be rarely known. This is the day of relativism where this is my truth. This is my truth. You know, I'm uh, seeing myself as a girl. I'm seeing myself as a boy. I'm presenting myself as what is truth? Same thing the devil said in the garden. What is truth? Hath God really said? Here's the evidence that this last day truth will become so diluted. Jesus Christ said in Luke 18, When the Son of Man cometh, shall he even find faith in the earth? That word faith, the Greek word is pistos, is the exact same word as Jude saying, earnestly contend for the faith. So Christ is saying, when I come to the earth, can I even find it? I, I'm amazed. I'm amazed at the teachers and preachers that, you know, you try to watch something on television or the internet, and I'm being as honest with you as I know how to be. There's a great revival coming. Well, I hope it does, but the scripture doesn't say that. The scripture says that when Christ comes, he's not even certain that he's going to find it. It's like, can you even find a life centered around the word of God? It's not just faith expecting things. It's faith honoring the Lord. Faith, the persuasion, the credence. The moral conviction of religious truth or the truthfulness of God. Profession, assurance, fidelity, consecration. Your expression of the doctrines you hold dear is the standard that keeps the flood of deception 
away from those in your inner circle. I gotta know what I believe. I gotta be able to rehearse it and have the stories that validate. Here, here would be an example. Let's do something simple. I, I, where the scripture says, I know whom I've believed in. And I know he's able to keep that which I've committed to him against that day. I know the Lord is my provider. So that doctrine translated into my life frees me from the capacity to worry. So they see the doctrine operating in my life. Not perfection, but a consecration, a full belief, a firm, reliant, exclusive trust on the Scriptures. I can't do that because God's Word says not to. I hear this all the time now. I know what the Word of God says, but... And right then you go, wait a minute. Things that you hear them preach early on in the ministry, they stop preaching. You need to understand that in this last day... If you're not careful, you can be swept away with a watered-down version of what you once held dear. There's a cure for Mama's Tang. You dump that joker out, and you start over. You start over. Repent. Renew. Redo the first works again. Know what you believe. Stand. Make the consecration. You remember when you first got saved? How hard it was because you knew it was all or nothing. You knew. And somehow now it's kind of like, well, you know, I've done it for a while. I can kind of be what I need to be, like a chameleon for where I am. And the problem with that is you're none of them. I'm not saying this to beat on you this morning. I'm saying this to encourage you. When the Son of Man comes, he's looking for your faith in your life. A firm, reliant, exclusive trust in the person and the words of Jesus Christ. Number three, the enemies of the faith. Satan, of course, who started the battle early in the Garden of Eden, hath God really said that you should not eat of this truth? A tree of the life, and then he corrects it and says, you will not surely die. God knows that the day you eat thereof, you'll be like God's small g. You'll, you'll be like him. That's the problem. Demonic forces and seducing spirits. Your pastor is under the conviction, and you do not have to agree with me, but see, I have to answer for what I tell you. So I'm going to tell you, and if I'm wrong, I'll be wrong in front of him, but I'll be wrong with good motive. I believe that satanic forces have raised up and installed Christian voices all throughout the media to lead a generation astray. That's what I believe. They integrate truth. They integrate Christ. They integrate stories out of the Bible in their message, and then they contradict it with theologies and ideologies that contradict who the person of Christ is and what the Word of God says. And if you don't know your Word... You'll be tricked or deceived because they're saying the right names. Oh, well, it's Jesus. It's just a different Jesus. Not a Jesus of the Bible. You know, my, my Jesus is love. Yeah, mine's love too. But he's also one, when he comes back, his robe will be soaked in the blood of people that he treads in the valley of Megiddo in Armageddon. He destroys millions at a time in his wrath. And see, I can't reconstruct him into my image. 
His word transforms us into His image. And there's a reverential fear that needs to go with it. And Satan knows it's not the all-out, not allowing the word of God. The greater Trojan horse is to bring it in the church and say, Oh, we believe in the word of God. And then undermine it with false teaching. Teaching that contradicts the scriptures. Well, God, you know, that you and your husband, you lost your magic. And this other guy come along. God understands. God wants you to be happy. And you're going... Answer the phone. Who told you this? My pastor. Happens all the time. All the time. Pastors having parties at their house and inviting their friends over and they party on Saturday and come and preach on Sunday. Now, I'm not without sin, but I am without unconfessed sin. And you have to, you have to walk humbly before the Lord and that same doctrine that establishes you will convict you and then restore you and then keep you. There is a groundswell in the church today of ministries and ministers that have gained notoriety through visibility on television. And there's something about seeing the person and seeing the 5,000 people or the 8,000 people or the 10,000 people. Uh, and I battle with it just like you do and I'll tell you in just a moment. Because your subconscious says, well, they must be doing something right. Here I am. I've been preaching 30 years in one town, 23 years at one church. You know, he has more on one Sunday than we have in five months. And your mind will say, well, he must know. He must be further along. He must be more anointed. Not necessarily. God did not ask me to draw a crowd. He asked me to preach his word. And for you as a believer, he did not ask for you to be known or recognized and to stand out in success, like being successful. He asked you to be faithful. When you come home, he calls you by two names. Well done. You are good and faithful. Faithful to the word of God. These enemies were sown enemies, like the sowing of a field. Tares sown in the church. They've crept in, coming in by the side door, settled alongside. They were and, ungod and are ungodly men in their thinking, in their living, in their doctrine, in their irreverence. Listen, they have a form of godliness, but not a force of godliness. How, 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 how can, and I'm trying to include not just speaking at you, but let's say, past, group me in with group everybody in. How can someone... Uh, sit there and raise money with such unethical ways and such uh, unfounded promises. This is the Psalms 1111 offering. So I need 11,100 people to give $11.11. .11 and you're going to... What, what brazen blindness to fleece the flock of God. The Bible says of the last day false prophet. He said he'll make merchandise of you. He'll make merchandise of you. You're what's being bought and sold. Your resources. And buy a $20 million jet instead of feeding or clothing people with those resources. By your fruits, you'll know them. So be wise as a serpent and harmless as a dove. If, if any of this teaching appeals to your flesh, if it appeals to your old man, then it's not truth. How many of you do understand that when you try to live righteously and godly, your flesh, you have conflict? Amen. 
You have conflict because you're, you know, the Bible says, if any man would want to come after me. Okay, first things first. Uh, deny yourself. Wait a minute. What does that mean? Yep, all of it. Deny yourself. Pick up your cross, which is my will for your life, and follow me. That's the first step. Well, it goes downhill from there. That'll draw a crowd, won't it? Come next Sunday, pastor's preaching, prepare to die. Come on. Which is truth. For his word says, if you save your life, you will lose it. But if you lose your life for his sake, you will find it. And the sufferings of this present world, the denials of this present world, the loss, the lack, the uncomfortableness will be so worth it because in that day, we will receive greater glory. And if we suffer with him, we'll reign with him. We have a church now that tells you how to find your best life today. Listen, I'm going on record. My best life ain't today. My best life is when I get home. Amen. When I get home, it's not here. We are strangers and pilgrims here. And I'll go one step further if, in case there's any confusion. God really isn't concerned about Christ's chapel. He loves you. Christ's chapel ain't going to heaven. Denominations aren't going to heaven. Movements aren't going to heaven. People are the only appreciable asset. And I want to say it again. Your loyalty is not to be to me or this place or this church or this church's name. Your loyalty is unto one, the Lord Jesus Christ. That was good. These are immoral, deceitful men. They turn the grace of God into lasciviousness, which means promiscuous and unprincipled in sexual matters, dissolute, dissipated, debauched, degenerate, immoral, decadent, depraved, sinful, corrupt, lustful, lewd, and lecherous. The issue is not how far away from the standard they can take you, but these men rewrite the scriptures in such a way that you are God of your own life and you get to choose. That's what is fighting against the faith. Where we can ordain a homosexual, we can ordain an adulterer, we can, they give allowance for our sinfulness and our carnality. Because if there is no sin, then there can be no repentance. And if there is no repentance, well, if there's no sin, there could be no conviction. If there's no conviction, there can be no repentance. And if there's no repentance, there's no forgiveness. And if there's no forgiveness, there's judgment. See how subtle? If nothing's wrong, if those things aren't, non, they're not allowed, then how can there be sin? It, it is, and I know this is such a heavy subject, and your pastor does not enjoy preaching these, but they're important for us that we hold true not just the story of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, but the expectations that follow in the teaching of the rest of the New Testament and Old Testament, that we would be a holy people, a peculiar people, set apart, different by our actions and our words. Be careful of the teachers that tell you you can live as you want, how you want, and still be in grace. Peter warned us in 2 Peter 2 that these people promise you freedom but it was the kind of freedom that leads to bondage these apostates use the word of God then and now to promote and defend false doctrines they seduce young immature Christians who have not yet been grounded in the scriptures they are liars 
whose God is their belly, who care not for the people of God or God himself, and they are scheduled to judgment. I mentioned this last week, and it wasn't in my notes, and I, I, it, was, it was truly profound. It made me meditate upon this all week. One of the signs the Lord allows to happen for you, it's not that you seek this sign, but he allows this to happen to you, is when you see ungodly people, uh, anti-Christ, anti-Christ, the anointed one, anti the word of God, anti the spirit of God, anti the doctrines of the church, and they're buddy-buddy with one of these uh, new mega preachers. There's your sign. If this person, if Oprah believes, and I'll use her, if not an exact quote, it, it was the quote, that that is ridiculous. That's insane to say that Christ, that there's only one way. And now I've got a pastor that's her buddy, and we're going to change the world through life classes. If she likes him, there's a sign. I'm not judging the man's heart. I'm saying I don't want any part because the Bible says that, uh, that he did not come to bring peace but a sword. It divides between. Now, it doesn't mean you look to be their enemy. It just means if you're light and salt, they're not going to want anything to do with you. And the devil and his people are more consecrated to their lack of faith than Christians are committed to their doctrines of faith. I can prove it to you. They don't come and play church with you on Sunday, but you'll go and party with them on Friday. They know who they are. And we have to fight. We, does anybody else have to beat their body into subjection? That's what Paul said. He said, I'm not boxing in the air. I'm, I'm, I'm beating myself because my flesh, if I give it opportunity, will destroy me. And we are kept secure by the scriptures. By the scriptures. By the scriptures and the Holy Spirit. And if we, through the Holy Spirit, mortify the deeds of our bodies, we walk in victory. Don't let another man lead you. Don't let me lead you. Let me encourage. Let me teach. Let me preach. And if it follows the word of God, you digest it. And you be fed thereby. But there is, I'm an under-shepherd, but there's a great shepherd. And he'll lead you into green pastures and he'll lead you home. All the way home. And finally, number four. Our responsibility to the, to the faith. Do you earnestly contend for the faith? Do you vocally stand up for the doctrines found in the scripture? Oh, I don't want to do that. You know, it's kind of contentious and people don't like contentious people. I know. Take a number. Do you contend for the faith? Do you stand for Christ? Do you stand up for the word of God? Do you correct people when they falsely share the word of God or misapply it? Here's, here's the caveat. Nobody wants to do that. But we're called to do that. We are stewards of this truth. And if we're quiet, then the people listening to that are destroyed. And Christ couldn't stand and watch people destroyed. And we as Christians cannot stand and watch people be destroyed. We must earnestly, which means agonizing, with great effort like an athlete, pushing, straining every muscle, contend for the, for the faith, the truth. 
The faith refers to the body of doctrine that was given by God through the apostles to the church. This body of truth was delivered and entrusted to the saints. We're stewards of it. If our generation fails to guard the truth and entrust it to our children, then that will be the end. When you think of the saints and martyrs who suffered and died so that we might have God's truth, it makes you want to take your place in God's army and be faithful unto death. For years, the Roman Catholic Church would slay, behead, pierce through with a sword anyone that would not pledge their allegiance to the Roman Catholic Church. Hundreds of years ago, but for hundred years. So here's a man standing there with his wife and his two babies. And they've got a sword to his throat. And they said, denounce the Lord Jesus. Denounce the doctrines. Salvation by faith alone. I can't do that. They take the sword away from his face. Put it on his little girl's jaw. Denounce the scriptures. Profess your allegiance to the Roman Catholic Church. He said, I can't do it. And they kill his baby in front of him. We won't even stand up at a water cooler. What happened to us? What happened to fight the good fight of faith? What happened to caring for truth and the responsibility that comes with it more than your acceptance? No, I don't want you to hate me, but your blood will not be upon my hands. Error is error. Wrong is wrong. And to stand for the truth is especially burdensome because then you better live right because they're going to come back and preach back at you. Earnestly contend. I remember hearing a missionary tell the story one time, and it stuck by me. It's very similar to that hypothetical one, but this, was, this one happened. He said one of the missionary friends of his in the bush of Africa, the tribe's people came, and uh, one of the head tribal men came up, and in essence, it would say the same thing, denounce your Jesus, or we will throw your children to the alligators. They're standing at the riverbank, and they're feeding the gators, so they're all there. His nine-year-old boy looked at him and said, See you in heaven, Daddy? He said, See you in heaven. And they threw his little boy in and he watched. If Jesus tarries, you are going to be tested. Your home will be up for grabs. If Jesus tarries, it's coming. Your family will be up for grabs. Your uh, freedom will be up for grabs. And if you can't contend now, you wouldn't die then. How firmly committed are you to the person and the words of Jesus Christ? Maybe we need to up our game. Maybe we need to stop deceiving ourselves and contend, which means correct Your pastor feels so burdened by this. That's the uh, reason that I started that website, the Clarion Sound, is I've got to reach more people than that just come here. I've I've got to help put the truth out there. It's not enough just for me to know it. We get we got to we've got to help raise the truth quotient around us 
And if we do, we will walk alone. But if we do it effectively, we will walk with great glory as well. Ben, if you would come, please. Sometimes you hear well-meaning people say, well, it's fine to contend for the faith, but you don't have to be argumentative. Well, while it's true that some of God's soldiers have been the cause of quarrels and division, it is also true that some of them have paid a great price to defend the faith. As Christian soldiers, we must not fight each other or go around looking for trouble. But when the banner of Christ is in danger of being taken by the enemy, we cannot sit idly by, nor can we ever hope to win the victory by being passive. We must always speak the truth in love. And the weapons we use must be spiritual. And at the same time, we must dare to take our stand for the faith, even if our stand offends and upsets others. We are not fighting personal enemies, but enemies of the Lord God. It is the honor and glory of Jesus Christ that is at stake. First Timothy says, fight the good fight of faith. I'll go a little step further and we'll be done here. How are you fighting for the faith? At what front are you contending? That's why some of us are teaching kids to get the word to them. That's why some of us have been looked over at jobs. We outworked the last three people that got hired, but it, it's kind of known among the office that all, well, we don't do it on business time. When we go to lunch, we're sharing our faith and people are coming to know the Lord and visiting with us and we're just overlooked and overlooked and overlooked and overlooked, but God hasn't overlooked it. Where are you contending for the faith? And I say this meekly as your pastor. It is important to contend for the faith in your own heart. But that's a mighty small life. The world is dying for a lack of knowledge. Christians are dying for a lack of truth. And Satan is filling the airwaves with deluded and false gospels. And Paul said, I was going to write to you about the common salvation, but something even more important, we need you to contend, to stand, to speak, to stand and speak, no matter the cost, so that the truth of God's word will go forth. And when it is spoken, it will not return void. Stand, therefore, grounded in love, but in boldness and in confidence. Let me tell you why it's important for us to contend for the faith. Because others cannot do it for us and God will not do it for us. Sometimes I feel like I'm on my last lap before I go home. I want to shout it. I want to, I want to scream it. I want to be it. I want to preach it. I want to print it. I want to teach it. I feel like I feel like there's so much more I could have done. And I'm just turning it up. And I, I know the cost. I, I understand that. I understand the judgment and the, oh, Pastor John just didn't used to preach like this. And then somebody told me the other day, why are you so angry? I'm not angry. I'm burdened, man. Burdened. Burden of the Lord and the burden for the Lord. This scripture is for you. Will you earnestly contend 
for the faith that was delivered unto you by the saints, by God through the saints. It is our assignment to keep the faith in our generation by intertwining our lives with it, living in constant subjection to it and its validity and authority in our life. By verbally affirming and keeping pure the doctrines passed on to us, no matter the cost. Keeping the faith is difficult. It is lonely. It is wearisome. It is frustrating. It is alienating. It's commonly misunderstood and it's often maligned, especially by those in the same camp. Your greatest opposition will be carnal believers. Once lost, once truth is lost, it's very hard to reestablish it in a person, family, city, state, nation, or church. The bumper sticker reads, Preach the gospel, and if you have to, use words. I've never read anything more stupid in my life. Give them a bottle of water. They're going to hell. I have to, I have to have influence with you. I have to build a relationship with you so you'll listen. And I have to explain the gospel to you. And I have to explain the depravity of man. And I've got to explain that we're helpless and hopeless without God in this present world. There's nothing we can do. We're dead in our trespasses and sins. Dead men can't regenerate themselves. And if God leaves us here, we die. I have to know the scriptures. I've got to be able to take you to them and explain to you that there's none righteous, no, not one. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But if your soul will agree with what God says about you and you come before him and ask for mercy and grace, he will quicken your spirit and bring you back to life. Do you believe this? And then pray with them. And the miracle of grace happens in their heart. Love wins. No, truth wins. Truth wins. We are people of the truth. That's not arrogance, it's confidence. We have the answer for every person we know. The gospel can reach anyone at any time on their schedule and in their history. But we got to know what we're talking about. We have to be firm and confident. Nothing erring, nothing straying, adding nothing to it. No, you don't have to come to this church. No, you don't have to let the preacher baptize you. No, you don't have to speak in tongues. You must believe, which means a firm, reliant, exclusive trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and Him alone. You must accept His atoning work for your sins and be saved by faith. Nothing else, Jesus, and nothing else. So I'm asking you, and I'm not looking for an altar call. My hope for you today is that I made you uncomfortable. That you would start to contend. And you can contend quietly. Listen, I'm closing, I promise. You can contend kindly. But you must contend faithfully, consistently, and accurately for the faith. There's a scripture in Ezekiel that troubles me often. He said, if you see your brother in sin and you look the other way and you don't contend, you don't help. He said, his blood I'll require at your hands. And I'm thinking, that's his life. Said, yeah, but you had the truth. He believed a lot. Well, his pastor, no, his, th that's not it. You contend. And so I can't tell you how to do it. But I can tell you we're required to do it. Earnestly contend for the faith. 
So when the Son of Man cometh, will he find faith on the earth? I don't know, but I hope he finds it in me. And I hope he finds it in us. This is one of those messages where you just, go, you just want to go home and think about it. You might need to write somebody and say, you know what? I celebrated something with you that was sin. I told you congratulations. And it's not congratulations. I love you. I die for you. You are my friend. But that was sin, and that is sin. And I want you to know that I, I compromised because I didn't want you to hurt your feelings. But I love you too much not to share the truth. Share the truth. The truth. Truth sets people free. You feel what I do? It's kind of like one of those just holy... Would you just do this? Nobody's speaking out. No one leaving, please. Just for, Would you just bow your head? And if you know that this message is for you, in your own words, just tell the Lord, I'm going to ponder this. I'm going to get my notepad out at home and I'm going to write the who's. What do I need to do? How can I better articulate your, your message? How can I stand? I don't want to be ashamed of the rapture anymore. I don't want to be ashamed of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I don't want to be ashamed of holiness. I don't want to be quiet in the face of error. y'all stand with me this morning if you can use anything Lord you can use me if you can use anything Lord you can Take my hands, Lord, and my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak through me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Take my hands, Lord, and my feet. Touch my heart, Lord, speak through me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Just once more, let's sing this unto the Lord as a prayer. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can Take my hands, Lord, and my feet. 
Touch my heart, Lord, speak through me. If you can use anything, Lord, you can use me. Right before I dismiss you this morning, you're going to find that in the moment, your physical body will be nervous, but it ties in. It's a familiar passage. It's a similar passage. It says, the Lord will give you in that moment what to say. Now, he's not going to pull stuff out of there you've not studied or read. But he'll, he'll tell you what to say, how to say it. Someone will need a firm word and another needs a gentle word. This is not some violent mission. But in our heart, the violence is there, which means I will go to whatever extreme to stand for the Lord and his word. And expect glory. Expect the boy like Ben for me that sat down at booth 10 at Skipper's and said, I've watched your life. You made it. Can you save me? And I said, sit down. Shared the gospel and at booth 10, held his hand, born again. Truth. Man, you, you have the Holy Spirit. You have a message so powerful, God says, when you share it, it will not come back void. It opens eyes. It changes lives. But you got to contend for it. So in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit, I pray over you today that you would have such an awareness now of what is error and your responsibility to share the truth. That you would do it in a variety of ways, but that you would be faithful to stand and add your voice to the thousands that have went before you that stood for the Lord Jesus and His Word. Be instant in season and out of season. And in every opportunity, do not hesitate to share with anyone the hope that's within you. And be blessed by God's presence, by God's nearness, by His approval, and with His glory. And may you receive the reward of your faith in heaven from the Lord Jesus Christ. Be blessed today. In the name of the Lord Jesus, I pray. Amen. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you.